Chapter Nine of A Prairie Schooner Princess by Mary Catherine Mall. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Nine, Red Snake. It had been Joshua Peniman's intention to pass the night at Council Bluffs and cross the Missouri in the morning, but the events that had transpired at the general store so alarmed him that he decided to leave the trading station at once anxious to get the child who appeared to be so surrounded by mystery away from the proximity of the stranger with the degenerate fox-like face they drove until dark along the banks of the river then made their camp in the woods in a place that looked sheltered and secure they had finished their supper and were preparing for bed when the young indian whom Joe had advised not to trade his otter skin for the stranger's worthless string of beads, came striding into their camp. He walked straight up to Joe and held out his hand. "'Good boy,' he said, greatly to the lad's astonishment. Then, without another word, laid the otter skin in his hands. "'Hello,' cried Joe. "'Where'd you come from?' "'Me Pashipado.' son pawnee chief spike little then looking down at the otter skin heap bad man who oh the fellow that was trying to do you out of this skin for a string of beads i should say so he's a crook he is but say pa pa pashipado son chief uh-huh nodded joe to whom the son of the chief was no different from any other indian but look here, Pashapado, you fellows ought to learn the value of your goods and not let those thieving white men skin you like that. I happen to know that this is a good otter skin, because my uncle used to deal in furs, and I've seen lots of them. Those beads he was trying to trade you weren't worth a quarter. No, the young Indian looked at him, and a slow fire smoldered in his eyes. White brother liar! Take away red man's land. Take away red man's furs. Take away red man's wife. Give red man fire water. Mr. Peniman had come up to hear what the Indian was saying. That's true, he said gravely. The white men are setting a bad example to their red brothers, I fear. Then, after a moment's pause, do you know who that man was, Pashipato? Red Snake heap bad man got bad heart trade with indian live santi sioux joshua peniman started he lives with the santi sioux the indian nodded but he is not an indian he's a white man isn't he squaw man for a moment joshua peniman stood staring at him his brain whirling a white man lived with the Santi Sioux, had evidently recognized, or partly recognized, Nina Carroll. Who could he be? What the relation between him and the departed Carrolls? What could be the meaning of this tangle in which he had involved himself by taking into his custody the friendless child of the white man who had been slain by a Sioux arrow? The young Indian pointed to the pelt, which still hung carelessly over Joe's arm. "'Me give,' he said. "'Pawnee heap white man's friend.' 
"'You mean you want to give me this skin?' cried Joe. The young Indian grinned and nodded. "'Oh, no, Pashipado, that pelt's worth good money. I have no use for it, and you ought to get a good price for it. I'm awfully much obliged all the same. It was fine of you to want to make me a present. I like you. You're square. Shake. You and I will be friends, shan't we?' Pashipado shook the hand that Joe extended to him. Joe dashed into the wagon and scrambled out again, a moment later carrying a bright red necktie in his hand. "'Here, you take this. I'd like to make you a present. I know you like red. It'll look good on you.' Pashipado took it eagerly, scrutinizing the brilliant bit of silk with the pleased smile of a child. Then he proceeded to wind it about his head, tying it in a knot in the back and letting the ends hang down over his shoulders. "'There! That looks fine! I knew it would be becoming to you,' cried Joe, without any intimation that that was not the accustomed manner of wearing neckties. The Indian looked from the boy to his father with a pleased grin. "'You sleep?' he asked. "'Yes, we're going to camp here tonight,' answered Joe. "'Me sleep, too.' Joe brought him out a substantial supper, which he ate squatted on the grass beside the wagons, and when the family settled down to their night's rest, he lay down beside them with his blanket over his head. It was long past midnight when Joe was wakened by a slight movement at his feet. He had heard no sound. Scotty was standing, his ears cocked forward, and the young Indian, motionless as a statue, stood with bow bent and arrow in rest. "'What's the matter? What do you see?' cried Joe, springing up. "'Shh!' whispered the Indian. For a moment longer he stood, then discharged the arrow, and at the same moment let loose a blood-curdling yell that roused the family and set the children to screaming. Mr. Peniman leaped wildly to his feet. "'What is it? Where are they?' he shouted, but the young Indian laughed and snapped his fingers. "'Gone!' he said with a gesture of wide flight. "'Red Snake coward. Think Big Chief come.' "'Red Snake? Was Red Snake here? How do you know? What was he doing? Were there other Indians with him?' Pashipado shrugged his shoulders. "'Me know he come. Me come.' He scare. He run way. He no come more. Think heap much Pawnee here. He chuckled to himself, but Joshua Peniman did not join in his merriment. He knew now that a deadly enemy was following them, and that while Nina Carroll was in their hands, there could be neither rest nor security for the family. They rose early, and taking a grateful farewell of Pashipado, started their way. In the fresh light of early morning, they caught their first glimpse of Nebraska. The land all about them lay smiling, with tall prairie grass waving to and fro, and flickering with constantly changing shades and colors. The river glinted like a sheet of silver, and over all arched the sky, blue as an amethyst, with the delicate shades of early sunrise coloring the east. They crossed the Missouri on the ferry boat, General Marion, 
which had been running only since the spring of the year before and found themselves in omaha taking their first view of the bare straggling settlement which is now the chief city of the great agricultural state of nebraska at that time omaha was the center of the reservation of the maha or omaha tribe and a trading post for the trappers and traders who had come to profit by the credulity and ignorance of the indians missionaries were here who had come to carry christianity into the wilderness and a few white settlers who at that date had found